Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Duking It Out. I am Noah Hiles here on the DK Sports Radio Podcast Network, your Duquesne men's basketball beat reporter for DKPittsburghSports.com, talking everything Duquesne men's basketball. And we've got a a lot to get into here on this lovely Sunday afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Heck, you could be listening to it later in the week, and I'd be fine with that as well. I appreciate everyone giving us the downloads and uh, giving the show some uh, playtime. So, like I said, a lot to get into here uh, after this this week of Duke's basketball. The the Duquesne men's basketball team goes 1-1 one and one in a pair of conference games this week. They were originally scheduled to just have one, but then... The Atlantic 10 moves up a contest that was originally supposed to take place on March 3rd to Saturday against St. Bonaventure, which resulted in a Duke's loss, which brought us to the split of 1-1. One and one. Duquesne still st- kind of stumbling out of the gates. Ten games into the season, the Dukes are 4-6. and six. That's not where you'd like them to be right now if you're a fan, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I'm confident. I actually know for a fact that this is not where Dan Brott envisioned his team being 10 games in and not where he wanted them to be. But I'm going to open up the show today by telling you that despite the team being in third to last place in the conference, their season is far from over. Now that might sound crazy, but just hear me out. So looking over the conference standings right now, there are only two teams behind Duquesne. Duquesne has a conference record of 3-5. and five. They are only ahead of Fordham, who's 1-6, and six, and St. Joe's, who's 0-7. Well, crazy, crazy enough, those two teams happen to be Duquesne's next two opponents. On Wednesday, the Dukes will head to New York to take on Fordham in the Bronx, and then on Saturday... They return back to LaRoche to take on St. Joe's, a team that is 1-12 this season. Now, no win is easy in college basketball, especially when you're playing in the Atlantic 10 Conference, especially when you've gone through all the struggles that Duquesne has gone through. But, assuming they win these two games, that brings their overall record to 6-6, six and six, that brings their conference record to 5-5, five and five. so now they're in the middle of the pack. And even with the losses that they've had to teams like St. Bonaventure twice, to teams like Dayton, the Dukes have shown, and Dan Brown has said this, that they can play with just about anyone in the conference. They went toe-to-toe twice with St. Bonaventure, and granted, they lost both of those games. But if you watch Saturday's battle between those rivals... That's a game Duquesne probably should have won. Any time that you can go 7 minutes and 14 seconds without scoring the basketball in the first half and still take a lead into the locker room, it shows that you're meant to be on the floor with that opponent. And yeah, they, they're they still looking for a second option to score the basketball, and their play late down the stretch needs to improve. But one thing that was hampering Duquesne that no longer seems to be the case, is a slow second half. I mean, this team was getting crushed on Wednesday by Rhode Island, and Dan Brott apparently laid into them, and they came out and battled back and won that one. 
And while they blew a one-point lead in the second half, they were leading at the start of the second half on Saturday against the Bonnies. They ended up losing by four. They weren't lacking energy. This team has finally seemed to find its breath, something they were in desperate need of, something that Dan Brott was very, very worried about at the beginning of the season when they were dealing with all the COVID issues. And another thing that he's continued to mention is that his hope would be that the team hits its stride in February. Well, February's approaching, and this team looks like it might be hitting its stride. They already have two games against St. Bonaventure out of the way. They have another game against Dayton, which I think is a winnable game. It's a home contest. They went there on the road not too long ago and dropped one by nine in a game that they hung around in and they had no business doing so. But the more games these freshmen seem to get under their belt, the better. And the more games that Weathers and Hughes, two veterans who Dan Brod has said have really struggled coming back and recovering from COVID-19, the more time that they spend on the court, both the practice and game time, the better they're going to be. The better Tavian Dunmartin is finding his new role between switching from point guard to shooting guard, having to be that constant scoring threat while also getting others involved on the offensive end. The Dukes are starting to come together. It might not show in their record, but give this team a couple more weeks, give this team a few easy opponents, which they have this upcoming week, and come February, they might just be able to hit their stride. Well, what does that mean if they hit their stride in February? Not much as far as uh, an at-large bid goes. Like I said, that's all but gone. Not having any notable non-conference wins. I mean, a win over UNC Greensboro is okay, but only having two non-conference games and going one and one in those, that's not good. So that's not going to get them any help. And then they have bad losses. I mean, they've lost uh, George Washington. You know, that's that's not going to help them. And we're, even with where they're at in the conference standings, I mean, they, yeah, if they win out and they only finish with five conference losses, you know, they're going to be the top tier, I guess, but they're still not going to win the conference in regular season play. The only way this team is getting to the big dance, or possibly even the NIT, is if they go on a deep run in tournament play. But college basketball is so, so momentum-driven, I wouldn't rule that out for this team. And I know I might sound crazy considering where they are at in the standings, but if you think about the glimpses of brilliance some of these freshmen have shown on top of the seniors really holding things together and when the freshmen perform the seniors are able to do better because less is on their workload once all the once the pieces start coming together in this puzzle this team's going to be a lot more dangerous than anyone really thought it could be after sincere after sincere carry left speaking of departures Another thing that could help this team is a return of Macy O'Austin. We don't know when that will be. He's practicing with the team. He's with the team on the bench during the games. Dan Brott says he wants to ease him back into the mix, and I, I completely understand that. But adding him back is another boost. 
What I'm trying to say is this team still hasn't played its best basketball yet. It's going to be better. It's going to be a much better team in February, and especially in late February, early March. By the time the Atlantic 10 tournament rolls around on March 10th, these Dukes might be a sleeper to play spoiler in wherever this tournament is hosted. They don't know yet. It was supposed to be at the Barclays Center. It's not anymore. So just keep an eye out on that. I'm sorry if I'm giving everyone too much hope. I'm sorry if I sound crazy. But just remember, this is a brand new team. And these guys are still figuring things out. And I think this was Dambrot's plan all along. Go through all the chaos early on. Be locked in and loaded. Come late February, early to mid-March. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I'm going to talk about some of the youth on this team and the growing pains that come along with it. Stay tuned. Second segment of the show, we're talking youth for this Duquesne men's basketball team, and they've got some players. I've said this before. I've said this multiple times. I've written it, and I've talked about it on this show, how I really like this freshman class. I like what they have to offer in multiple areas of the game. They have defenders. They have scorers. They have guys who I think can contribute to the ball movement. They have everything in this freshman class, and we've seen it in spurts. We really haven't seen all of them play well together in the same game yet. I think that's coming. I alluded to that in the last segment. But while there are many positives, there are also some growing pains with this group, and that's what I want to get into today. There are four freshmen who are really getting the majority of the looks so far. There are two starters, Toby Akani and Chad Baker, and then Andre Harris and Tyson Acuff are getting the most playing time coming off the bench. You could throw Mikey Bakelia in there as well. And with these four, maybe five guys, each of them have their own set of issues. The first player I want to talk about is Chad Baker. Baker was a huge reason why Duquesne was able to beat Rhode Island on Wednesday. He had a team-best 18 points. He shot a perfect 5-for-5 from three-point range, and he plays great defense. And while he has shown a ton of promise to scoring the basketball, not only in that game, but in games prior, another thing he's shown is immaturity. Baker leads the team in technical fouls. I believe he has three. Now, one of those was because his name wasn't in the scorer's book when he checked in against, I think it was George Washington or Dayton. But aside from that, he's also had two from saying some things he shouldn't have said. He's a talker. And he gets caught up in his emotions at times. On Saturday, he didn't get a technical foul. He got a flagrant one after pretty much going toe-to-toe in a wrestling match against a member of the St. Bonaventure backcourt. Keith Dambrot spoke about Baker's struggles to maintain his composure after Saturday's game. Let's hear what he had to say. He's got to do better. He's got to hold himself accountable. He's got to do better. He's got to he's got to grow up and put his big boy pants on. He's got to do better. He's got to leave that crap alone. He's got to compete hard as can be. 
with his mouth shut and make good decisions. Simple as that. He's got to do better than that. And I like Chad, but he got to do better. He doesn't have to play better. I'm okay. Look, if he plays poorly, I'm good with that. I don't like it, but he just has to do better with his maturity and his emotions. As a follow to that, how might that help? Maybe having Mike Hughes, a guy that's had similar traits at times, who's seemingly turned the corner, maybe have him as a mentor. Uh, I think that helps, but I think it's going to be mostly on me. I think I can get to him. I got a good relationship with him, but I'm going to teach him a lesson if he does it again. And those are strong words. You know, he. one thing I love about Dan Brown, he does not sugarcoat anything. And some guys might be a little more sensitive with a freshman calling him out like that, but he's right. Baker is a valuable asset to this team, but when for every good thing he does, for every time he makes a three-pointer or plays great defense, those stupid fouls, those technical fouls, those flagrant fouls, and just him being a head case at times negates all of that positive positivity. And that's going to come sometimes with freshmen. When you have a guy like Baker who wears his heart on his sleeve, and if you read my story about him on Wednesday, he's going through a lot right now. And it's easy to let your emotions get the best of you. But if you look at a player like Mike Hughes, who also kind of had the similar problems that Baker's experiencing now, you eventually have to learn that there comes a time that you have to get the best of people with your play and only your play. That you let the ball do the talking. And that's obviously what Dan Brott's saying. I'm interested to see if this happens again, what Dan Brott's going to do. Does he bench him? Does he not start him? Does he not play him an entire game? Or maybe it's handled in practice. I don't know. That's He's the coach. I'm just the beat reporter. Baker's just one of the young guys who's experiencing growing pains, though. Another guy uh, that I want to look into is Toby Okani, who's been one of the better defenders on this team. But Okani is given a really tough role. Because I think out of all four of the freshmen that I'm going to talk about, he's probably the best overall player, but he's being asked to do the most as well. They want him to score. They want him to pass the ball. They want him to defend pretty much better than anyone else on the team. That's a tough task for a 19-year-old kid to take on. And I think when it's all said and done, Okani's going to be a great four-year starter for Duquesne if he sticks around. And he'll probably, if, if this freshman group ends up making it to the national tournament, it'll be because Okani kind of leads the way. But right now, I mean, that's like taking four 300-level classes as a freshman. One 300-level course is a challenge, but it's doable if you manage your time right. But he's being asked to play at a high level in multiple facets of the game. And you can see that's where his inconsistency is coming. One day he plays amazing defense, but he has no offensive contributions at all. Another day, he's much better on the offensive end. He's moving the ball well. He's scoring a little bit more. He's shooting with confidence. But he sacrifices what he can do 
when it comes to guarding the opposing team's best player. Playing a complete game is Okani's biggest challenge right now. And it doesn't help that he's had to do that against guys like Kyle Lofton, guys like Fats Russell at times. I, I, I mean, that's those are not those are no slouches. Fortunately for him, I think he's going to get a little bit of a break in these next two contests this week that will help him kind of hone his skills. Then finally, the other two guys off the bench, Andre Harris, his main role what they would like him to be, it's clear, is a scorer. They want him to be that quick 6-8 points off the bench type guy. They really draw up scoring plays for two players when they come into the game off the bench. Ryan Murphy and Andre Harris. And you need you need those guys, especially in college basketball. You need that guard that can come in and give you a couple quick shots, give you that spark fire like Ryan Murphy's done. If you watch their games back, he comes in at the end of the first half and he sets it off. He contributes a quick three or a nice transition layup or even finds a couple guys on assists and the Dukes get going. They want Harris to be that guy down low. They draw up a lot of stuff for him. If Even if it's inbounds, if it's pick and roll, whatever it is, he gets a lot of looks. They clearly think he can be the scorer off the bench and eventually a scorer in the starter. I think that the vision is for him to pretty much replace Marcus Weathers one day next season when Weathers is gone. He's not going to get benched this year. And he shows that opportunity. He shows that promise. If they're going to be competitive this year, it's going to be because guys like Harris, along with Murphy, can match that. Or he can, a guy like Harris can match Murphy excuse me, and come in and give a quick five to eight points, maybe like five rebounds off the bench. They're drawing things up for him. He just needs to execute. Finally, last but not least, a guy who has a very unique challenge is Tyson Acuff. The freshman is uh, kind of being thrown into this point guard role, something that he probably didn't expect to have to do this year. Dan Brott probably didn't expect him to have to do it this year. But with Carey gone... With Lamar Norman Jr. gone, and with Tavian Dunn-Martin really the only option because Bekelia is also hurt, they need Acuff to learn and to learn how to run this offense. He's probably still learning the offense. I talked about this on last week's show, how when you when we were discussing what to do with Tavian Dunn-Martin, is it a risk to give Acuff the keys and say, hey, run it? And they've been doing that. He's gotten more playing time in these last couple of games, and to be honest with you, the offense hasn't looked great while he's out there. Part of that might just be confidence. It seems like he knows what he's doing as far as you know, running the plays, calling things out. He knows where he needs to be on the floor. I think for him, it's just about being more aggressive. Dan Brott believes in him. His team believes in him, and I think eventually... Tyson Acuff will start to believe in himself as well. That's all I got for today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe all button. If you haven't already, comment on our site, dkpittsburghsports.com, on things you'd like to hear me talk about on this show moving forward. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.